You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rusk. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rusk Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rusk AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Oh, and I bought my very first share last year and now it's down 30%. What on earth do I do? Well, Kate, is it a mistake? I guess we don't know. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, by the way, in which we're talking about an investment falling and... Hundreds of thousands of investors have joined investing over the last few years and things got a little shaky and as they always do. And people wonder, my investment is down, now what do I do? And we get this question a lot. A lot of times people will write in about a very specific company or ETF they've purchased and suddenly it's down 20, 30, 40, 50%, maybe even 95%. And they're wondering, did I make a mistake? Did I buy the wrong thing? Did I buy the wrong, the right thing at the wrong time? Did I buy, like, what should I do? Should I buy? Should I hold? Should I sell? Yeah. And we're going to hopefully walk you through that, but also reassure you that it's okay when your investment falls. Uh, it's normal to lose money occasionally in investing. Fortunately, it doesn't happen that often that you lose everything. You might lose some of it. But over time, typically, if you're diversified, you have some winners and some losers, but the winners outweigh the losers, and that is investing. And it can feel painful, though, when you see, especially if it's your very first or your second investment and it's fallen in value, mm. and you're just getting started and you're really new to investing, it's hard to know if it's you or if it's the global economy or if it's the right thing, but you just have to hold on for a longer period of time as a long-term investor. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you do, Kate? Like, How do you decide if you know, this thing's fallen. Should I buy more? Should I sell now? You know, is this is this normal? 
Will it come back? Like, how do we think through that? Yeah, I think before we look at the more granular part of what's going on with that company or ETF to make it fall in value, I think it's good to look at the overall picture because when we're investing and we're investing from a, for a long term, there's going to be mm. a lot of volatility with the market. And we might have invested in the tech industry, but suddenly the tech industry is having a challenging time as a whole and all or a lot of companies mm. in that industry have fallen in value. There's redundancy. So looking at the bigger picture will help you figure out, is it is it the company? Is it the industry or is it just the whole economy that's having a challenging time right now? Yeah, absolutely. And so if we think about the the if you zoom out, there are multiple ways to think about investing from a big picture. The first is like how many investments do you have? So if you've got a diversified portfolio, um, it, you know, you're going to be okay. If one of those goes down or even a few of them, like if you've got say if you've got a whole portfolio and maybe say 20% of your money is exposed to technology and technology goes down. Well, maybe you've got energy companies and they go up or maybe you've got supermarket companies and they go up. And and depending on where we are in the cycle, those things will ebb and flow. There's actually a chart that you can get, Kate, that shows at different periods of the economic cycle, different sectors Mm. or different companies perform better than others. But then if we zoom out again, we zoom out horizontally, we can go through time. And the longer you zoom out, the more you see the kind of upside outweighing the downside. Yeah. So they say that, you know, on average, the market falls 10% every every four, every year. On average, it falls 10%. Every that, year. Every year. <laughs> but that might not be each and every year. So you might have in year three, it goes up, it goes down three times, it comes back up, goes down, goes up, goes down again. And that's normal, right? But people tend to think when we look at numbers, they go, well, over 20 years, it's gone up 10% on average, right? Say, for example. But in that time, there could have been 20 down movements before it comes back up again. Yeah. And those Vanguard interactive charts, Mm. someone might have better ones, but the Vanguard tools have been quite helpful. And you can see over time different asset classes and you see all of those wobbles, those up and down, down five, up 10, down 15, up 20. And you can see that over time and you get that concept that it is a roller coaster, but at the end of the day, the roller coaster does trend upwards. Yeah. But the key thing is that it generally takes over 10 years. Like imagine you've got the whole stock market in your portfolio. It generally takes 10 years for it start to be almost not not guaranteed, but almost always positive, almost always. There are some periods in history where some stock markets don't go anywhere for like six or seven years. And then all of a sudden in the last few years, they go up. And that makes up for all of those years that it was flat or going down. So the key thing is the longer you invest, the more likely you are to get a positive return. And the more diversification you have, the more ability you have to insulate your portfolio. But that doesn't help, Kate, if someone is investing in just one stock or if this is their first time. Because if you're if this is your first time and the market's falling, or you've got one stock or one ETF and that's falling, it can seem pretty scary. Yeah. And and it's hard to know what to do. And say, like, for example, in, in March 2020, when a lot of most of the market fell in value, and I was looking at all of my diversified ETS falling in value. I was looking at my individual companies falling in value. And I had to to think about it and I went, okay, my, my ETF portfolio, I know what that's doing long-term. I'm leaving that. But some of those individual companies, some of them struggled and are still struggling a couple of years out of COVID. And that might be something I want to look at. And I'm going, is it still a good company to invest in? Does it still uh, match up with my investment plan? 
Yeah. And what I wrote down when I was going to invest in the company, like maybe over the last few years, it has lost some major contracts and it's actually suffering as a business and it might not be able to recover with the rest of the market. Absolutely. And so the the key thing that even it goes through my mind, I've been doing this for a long time and it goes through my mind, oh my, oh no, my shares are down. Did I make a mistake? And the, ant, the, the reality is there's no one, can, no one can tell you exactly if you made a mistake when your share falls. Because no one knows specifically what's going to happen in the future. Like we just simply do not know, uh, unless you have a time travel machine. In which case, let us know, and uh, we'll become friends. But we just don't know. So all we can rely on is kind of like our research and our kind of understanding of how the market works. Say, for example, in 2020 when markets got very volatile, or even in 2022 when we saw technology companies getting sold off. A very obvious conclusion then would have been, well. This is this gambling stuff. Uh, this investing stuff is really like gambling. It's really risky. Um, I need to really just like get out of this now. But if in that moment we instead went, okay, how much do I know about these companies or this company or this ETF, and what has it been like historically? So I went back 150 years, Kate, 150 years, and I looked at the the data for the overall stock market and found that on average company profits go up 6.5 percent or thereabouts. So every year, on average, company profits go up 6.5%. Now, that's overall. So if you're just finding a company that can grow or an ETF that is investing in companies that can grow, that's like a big part of it. So I just want to make sure that you are, when you're in that moment of stress, look back in time and say, well, what do we know? How's it gone historically? Yeah. But there are some other reasons why things actually fall and mm-hmm. we should probably dive into them. Yeah. So if, for example, I invested in the Campbell Company, yeah, Campbell. Campbell Different soup. to Campbell's <laughs> Soup here because I, I think Campbell's Soup's still, still going okay. Yeah. Uh, so if I invest in Campbell Company and the Campbell Company has gone down 30% in the last year and I'm trying to figure out why this happened. And I might do some research. I might look at their annual report, some of their recent articles or press coverage. Mm-hmm. I might look at some of their ASX announcements. So that's what they tell investors about what's going on when there's a something worth noting. Yep. Um, I might go, well, has anything happened? Have some of the board members changed over? Was there a CEO departure? Like yeah. did the head of the company just suddenly up and leave or was that planned well in advance? Like they yeah. they were going to spend more time with family or they were retiring. Um, was there anything sort of dramatic about the key mm. staff? Did they lose any key contracts? Was there an article that just said they've been covering up uh, fraud for a yeah. the last decade. Um, maybe someone was embezzling money. Maybe they were cooking the books a little bit, changing some of the cooking numbers the to make things look a bit better. Potentially there was an environmental issue they were hiding as well. So looking to see, is there any reason I can find, and it might take some digging, as to why the company has fallen so much in value? Yeah. And the best way to do it, as you said, is just to go into your brokerage account or go to one of those websites that has the news for companies and see, go down the list and see if there's some news from the company. Yeah. One, just Google news just Google, column. Just Google Telstra shareholder news or something like that and see what comes up. And then you'll be surprised. There might be an, an announcement that you missed. So it might be a shock resignation of the CEO. But it's really important in this moment because you're vulnerable because you don't know yeah. what is happening. So you're very vulnerable. So the first thing that you click on is going to inform you. But just be aware that that thing that you're reading might not cover all the facts and the person who's writing it might not be in acting in your best interest or they simply might have a different opinion of the facts. So what I'd highly encourage you to do in that moment is not make a decision. 
Yeah. Go and read a few different articles. Yeah. Think of it as a fact-finding mission yeah. and I'd write down each piece of information you find because you're forming an overall picture in your head and maybe write the source and the author and if mm. there's any potential bias. Uh, yeah, they might be connected to a short seller or they might be connected to someone who's invested 10% in that company. So try and figure out mm. what angle the person's coming from. Yeah. The one thing that we tend to do when we get financial news is we tend to go on and we tend to look at the experts and go, oh, they've just told me that it's a sell and I own this thing. So maybe I should sell. But a really good example of this is a fund manager, right? A fund manager has to invest people's money for them. So he or she will be looking at their portfolio each and every day, making sure things are okay. And they've got to report to their investors every month. And if they go into the month end and they've got to present their you know, portfolio to investors, and there's one of those ones that perform really poorly, the chance of them actually saying, yeah, we own this thing is very limited. They're not going to want to disclose that. So what are they going to say? They're going to come out and say, oh, we sold that because of all the news that came out. Now, if you think about that, if you're a long-term investor, it doesn't really matter what happens month to month, mm. but to them it does. So our, our, it kind of it may be the same facts, but we interpret it differently simply because our objectives are totally different. So one of the things I'd highly encourage you to do is go back to why you bought something yeah. You remember that thing that you wrote down or maybe you didn't write down and you're a bit stressed out about it because we're saying write it down and you didn't. That's okay. Yeah. But why do you own it? Can you, yeah, even if you didn't write it down, because I definitely haven't for quite a few things because I've only started doing it more recently. Can you remember at the time why you bought it? Or maybe it was just something mm. you found on the internet or your friend told you about it. Even that, just write down what you can remember about the origin story of that company or ETF ending up in your portfolio. Because even if you end up, deciding to sell it or hold, um, this is going to inform how you learn about investing and improve, hopefully, mm. your decision-making process going forward. So even if your origin story is, I just got told it in an article or a friend told me at a barbecue and I just bought it, I didn't know anything about that, write that down because that's data to inform your current decision-making process and how you invest in the future. Remember that thing that we always say on the show, that Morgan Household headline is 99% of long-term investing is doing nothing. It's the other 1% which changes your life. When you make that decision, that 1%, make sure you're doing it not from emotion, but you're doing it from logic. This is really hard to do. Going back to our example before of the stock market falling or individual stocks falling, how, how can you not be emotional at that stage? Yeah. So the key things are this. Write down what's happened. Get multiple sources, as Kate said, and then wait. Just wait 24 hours. A lot of the times what happens in the stock market, not always, but a lot of the times what happens is the stock falls, then people go, oh, actually, what were we thinking yesterday? It wasn't that bad. So typically the company that you own today is the same company that is going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. The only thing that's changed is a perception. Mm. So try and just weather that. And then remember just the two or three key things that Kate alluded to, the two or three key things. You know, I own this company because of X, Y, and Z. Yes, we've had this bad news, but the original thing's still intact. Well, okay, keep going. So Owen, another question I'd have on this point is sometimes it can be really hard, especially with smaller companies, to work out what exactly is going wrong mm. um, and why the company has fallen so much in value because there might not be much news coverage. It might be very hard to find information or it might be hard to decipher the information. There could be a big lawsuit happening mm. and investors aren't really sure which way things are going to go. It might be really devastating to the company or the company could well and truly recover. Like there might be a product recall, but the company can keep going and continue on from there. How do you, if it's a bit complicated, how do you sort of navigate that situation? Yeah. So with smaller companies, it's harder 
because with smaller companies, you just don't know. Like they can bounce up and down 20%. And these are companies that are like, they're not the things that you read about in the paper. They're the small companies, mm. they're small caps. Um, whereas say Telstra, right? Let's say Telstra gets a lawsuit. What is the chance that Telstra goes down? Incredibly small, right? Incredibly small. It might just cost quite a bit. It that might co- it'll probably cost billions issue. of dollars, yeah. but it, it's not going to go down, right? So you've got to understand kind of the context around that. But the first thing I'd say is, when you own a company, you know that old Peter Lynch quote, know what you own and why you own it. You don't need to know everything, but you just need to know why you own it. And typically, you do not want to be figuring that out on the day that it's fallen. So go back, like any company in your portfolio right now, today, just know what it does and why you have that in your portfolio. Yeah. I like this company for these two reasons, these two reasons, right? Then when something bad happens and you go, one of those reasons isn't true anymore, is the other one strong enough to keep me here? Well, maybe not. So get rid of it. That's probably the first thing I'd say. And then I guess just generally speaking, like the way I think about companies, especially established companies, is that a lot of the things aren't existential. So what we're talking about before with Telstra, it can survive. A lot of the times companies on the stock exchange aren't static. So what I mean by that is you, if you're a fan of biology, that's probably the best way to understand them. Like if you go to put your hand on a fire and you just get close enough, you get burnt. You're like, oh, I'm not going to do that again, right? Companies are the same. If they go to do something, they go to expand into a region and it doesn't work, they don't wait to get burnt and just like let their whole hand go before they do that. They actually realize soon and they're like, oh, okay, I'm out of there. But the thing is that costs money to pull to pull out mm-hmm. and to invest in that. So what they do is they evolve over time. And this can happen to good and bad companies. So for example, companies might have like really bad costs and they're not profitable and they look like they're going to go bust and they survive. Why? Because they let go of staff, they decide to cut costs, maybe they sell part of their business or they remove the management team and all of a sudden they survive. And you're like, wow, how did this thing survive? Because all the signs were this thing's going to, you know, going six feet deep, but they survive. And the key thing is when you look at a company, don't underestimate its ability to survive. Uh, Even like the worst companies can often survive. Does that mean you want to own it? No, but just be aware that most of them don't go to zero. Some of them do, but most of them don't. Um, And to your point specifically, Kate, around a, um, a lawsuit. Well, if no one knows the future, you can't really have an informed view. So you might just say, based on a precedent, like something else has happened in the past, it's other company, it was this bad. Or you read a bunch of different news articles and you go, okay, it looks pretty bad. Well, maybe, okay, I'll take my chips off the table. And basically it all comes down to, if you know the company and why you own it, back to my first point, you will be able to make the decision even under pressure. Yeah. and and But it can be really hard in that moment to decide whether to, to sell or yep. sell some or to, to hold it or to buy more. Potentially yeah. that might be your uh, decision. You might do all your research, you've worked out why you own it and why you continue to own it, and you might decide this is the moment I want to buy more. And yeah. sometimes they are the best buying opportunities when the company has gone through something and it has fallen, but long-term it still looks like it's a good business. Absolutely, yeah. And we always talk about this on the show, the core and the satellite approach, where you have like 80% of your money is in like diversified ETFs and really low cost. And then you've got 20% of your money, say, for example, in stocks, individual stocks, right? And the reason we say that is not because, you know, we don't we like ETFs more than shares. It's actually just to protect you. Because while you're figuring out this thing called investing, go and do that. But start with a small amount of money. 
until you've learned all these tricks of the trade. Then maybe you can say, okay, I'm a bit more confident. Now I'll start to invest more. And that's kind of like a like the plan B. Plan mm. B is like the 80% works out. You don't have to worry about that stuff. Don't even think about it. Just let it go. But then the 20% is where you kind of learn and you discover things. And I would just say for most people, even though we talk about individual investments going up and down, just have a really good plan B. Um, and that's what we advocate for on the show all the time because it's the best way to have the, the best of both worlds. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's probably what I'd say. Um, and finally, I'd just say just like avoid the noise as much as you can. Focus on the facts under pressure. Yeah. That's the key thing. And if you decide to hold on to that investment and you're going to keep it for a number of years, if that's your decision, I'd try and reduce that that noise and volatility yeah. in your life and that feeling of, I don't know what to do. Because you don't want to be feeling that every single day because I, I reckon it will probably impact your sleep and your overall mm. well-being. If holding is the, your decision, then if you can remove your device from your phone. You get um, the app off it, the brokerage app. Yeah, don't stop. need that. Don't subscribe to notifications on that company on Google or check Reddit forums every day for a new update. That's just going to stress you out a lot more um, if you've already made your decision. Like monitor for any major developments, put notifications on for ASX releases if if you want to keep on top of that. But I try and detach yourself a little bit emotionally. And it's hard if you only have one or two companies in your portfolio, especially if you've got your core and maybe just two individual investments. I can see how you have such a strong emotional attachment because you've done all that research, you've put your extra money as part of your satellite in those companies and you feel feel tied to them. But at the end of the day, the, the company is is not going to go up or down based off your emotions. It, it's entirely separate to you and I think it's important to distance yourself in a way so your emotions are not tied to the, the rise and fall mm. of the company or your overall investment portfolio. Absolutely. A lot of people think by being more emotional, they can make the stock somehow go up. It's not like they tell enough people it will go up. It's not how investing works. Um, The few things that you can do just psychologically, one is what's the kind of opponent's view? So when you own a a, a stock or an ETF, at any one time thereabouts, you have the opportunity to sell it. So just by doing nothing, you're actually doing something. You ever heard that quote like, don't just stand there, do something? It's the opposite of that in investing because you want to stand there because standing there and doing nothing is pretty much the only thing that has shown to increase your wealth over time. Doing nothing. Just find the good thing and stick with it. But yet the whole industry is designed so that we don't do that. You log in, there's daily price charts, there's flashing red and green and you're like, whoa, what is this casino? Right? That's what they want you to think. But that's not what investing is. And then the other thing is if you seek out someone who has the opposing view of you, that gives you more of a balanced perspective. A lot of people are quick to unfollow people on social media or tune out when a different uh, person is on the TV saying something that they don't like. But it's those people that will add the most value to your long-term investing. So seek them out. Seek out the opposing view. And if your view is still strong enough, even once you've truly considered that, you're onto a good thing. Yeah. Do some research. Yeah. If they raise some points saying, oh, the company's not actually producing as much X, Y, Z, as they say they are in their report. Well, is there any evidence to support that? Can you do any research to find if that Mm. that opposite view has any weight or it could be someone that's just trying to tear the company down? And the opposite holds true. There's a lot of people that try to push a company up with statements that might not be true. So research the, the thoughts and opinions of others on both sides to strengthen your overall investment case. I would say that it's, in my experience, 10 years of doing this, I've seen the most money lost 
by people who find other people that believe with them, that believe what they're saying. Mm. So they, they, they seek out people who write things or say things that they agree with. But why are those people saying those things? Oftentimes they're saying them because they want to pump the stock up or they want to pump the investment up and they're out the door before you've even realized what's going on. Whereas conversely, if someone is negative towards your company or towards your stock or your investment and your company survives, well, maybe you're onto a really good company that doesn't matter what anyone thinks, it's still going to grow anyway. And so that's why I tend to err on the side of finding people who disagree with me. I think that's a better long-term strategy if you are a consumer of financial information. Yeah. And I think it can be hard to read those statements, especially if you have invested some money in that company. It's hard to hear things on the other side of the equation. But if you're thinking long-term, you're thinking with a curious mindset and how can I learn more about this company? How can I learn more about my investing strategy? Then just think of it as a positive activity that you're doing, yeah. seeking out these views. And even we, we've talked about on the show before getting comfortable with uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to investing. But if you focus on the things you can control, you cannot control whether mm. Campbell Company goes up 10% tomorrow or it goes down 10% tomorrow, but you can control how much you invest in it. You can control how much time you spend researching it, or if you just invest in it on a whim, if you just sell it on a whim, you can control Mm, those buy, hold, sell decisions. And um, you can control some of your behavior and how you, if you're looking at your portfolio every day and getting scared, or you're removing the app from your phone. Yeah, those are things that anyone can do at any one time, but you can't control whether the stock goes up or down. Get comfort with the uncertainty. As Warren Buffett has this saying that in the short term, the stocks, stocks are really risky. But over the long term, they're really risky to not invest in. And that's the key point is when we say long term, we mean 10 years. You don't know what's going to happen in 10 years. I don't know. None of us in this room know what's going to happen in 10 years. So what we have to do is just kind of have to invest on faith that, you know, the economic engine is working, that innovators are going to keep making the world a better place. The companies are going to evolve and grow and become more profitable. If you believe in all that, why wouldn't you invest? Uh, and that's kind of my my belief is that I believe companies who, who are creating value for customers are the source of innovation in our world. So why wouldn't I want to take part in that? Sure, there'll be bumps in the road, but that's that's the price you've got to pay. Volatility is the price of admission to the stock market, as they say. You got Morgan Housel in there. Well, yeah, who knows? All the greats today. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. So stocks falling is normal to conclude. Yes. Um You can only control what you can control. You can prepare in advance by doing your research and you can be critical of all types of news, whether positive or negative and where you get that information from. Yep. And there's multiple decisions you can make if your stock has fallen in value. And we've both made all three. We've made decisions to buy more. We've made decisions to hold and just do nothing. And we've also made decisions Mm -hmm. to sell. I have sold companies that have fallen in value before because I either didn't do my research at the start and don't really have that much confidence in the company or something material changed about the company and I don't want to be invested in it anymore because I'm not sure that's where I want to be for the next 10 years. So multiple decisions you can make. The decision we don't want you to do is to bury your head in the sand and do nothing because the decision Mm. to hold is a decision, but the not doing anything and just getting scared every day and worrying about it is not what we want you to do. We want you to feel calm. We want you to be able to sleep at night. So whatever educating. it takes. Yeah. Education's a great tool here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in the short term, pessimism sounds smart. In the long term, optimism is what pays off. Um, so just keep your head above the sand. 
don't be afraid to look at your portfolio. The longer you invest, the more humble you will become because you will just admit that you are kind of powerless to what happens each day. And maybe you just become a bit desensitized to it as well. But long-term investing, long-term investing in the stock market is the proven way to grow wealthy. You can do that in multiple ways, however you want to go about it. Keep listening to the show. If you want to learn more, you can take one of our free courses or you can join us inside the Rask Core Forum um, and you can see what I'm investing in, um, ask questions and so on and so forth. So, Kate, wonderful episode. Thanks for joining me. Lots to learn. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.